Welcome to the Forager Podcast, where I talk with cottage food entrepreneurs about their strategies for running a food business from home. I'm David Crable, and today I am talking with Amy and Jamie. Amy Anderson and Jamie Crake live in Ypsilanti, Michigan, and sell donuts with their cottage food business, It's a Good Day Donuts. This dynamic couple have quite the interesting startup journey. They actually started making donuts to gear up for the launch of a full-on cafe, and then this little thing called the pandemic hits, throwing a huge wrench into their plans. But despite that, their new home-based donut business really took off during the pandemic, and they haven't looked back since then. Amy and Jamie started this business to have fun and to spread joy to their local community, and you will see that that's certainly evident in all aspects of their business. In this episode, you'll hear how they have grown this into a very serious business, all while sticking true to their core values. In my previous episode, episode 51, you might recall that I shared the top eight traits of successful cottage food entrepreneurs, and if you pay attention as you listen to this episode, you'll notice that together, Amy and Jamie leverage every single one of those top eight traits. All right, with that, let's jump right into this episode. Welcome to the show, Amy and Jamie. Nice to have you here. Thanks for having us. So can you take me back to when you started this? I know you started, I think, at the beginning of 2020. How did this whole uh, business get started? We really started thinking about this in um, late 2019. You know, Jamie and I, at that point, we've been married for like about 10 years. We have two elementary school children, had full-time jobs, and also we're helping like our parents are starting to get to that age where they were aging. So we had lots of things pulling us in different directions. But the one thing we were really, we thought we were kind of missing in our life was things that we were passionate about, you know, like hobbies or we didn't really have that. We were just kind of going through the motions. Um, we had a little bit of, I guess, like a struggle in our family. My dad did get really sick and he was a chef and had to retire a little earlier than expected. Um, we, along, you know, so together, the three of us had plans to run a, a diner, a seasonally operating diner. So it would operate just during the summer months. It was at a campground too. So as the story evolves, that's an important thing yeah. to note. Like right before the pandemic started. Right. So, so, so we thought, so our plan was, you know, he was on the road to recovery. We were hoping he'd be healthy some by summer of 2020. And together, the three of us, Jamie has a pretty extensive food service management background. Together, we would start, you know, we would start this this diner. And I really, really wanted to make donuts for, for the diner. I thought it would be um, just a great thing to do. Um, who doesn't love a donut? I certainly love donuts. And the one problem was, is that I had never made a donut before in either, no one, none of us were really bakers or or donut makers. So we had to begin practicing in our home. So let's back up a little bit because, I mean, you said that Jamie had food service experience and I'm just trying to like get a sense for like, it seemed like kind of a very elaborate plan to like start this food business out of nothing. Oh like, no, there was nothing elaborate about it. It was a fly by the seat of our pants decision that, you know, we we had been seasonals at this campground for quite a number of years and saw a lot of people come and go from there and decided 
at some point that if there was ever an opportunity that that we might consider uh, running the cafe, that Bob would be the the lead person and we would sort of help him from the background. And uh, that opportunity presented itself around the same time that Amy's dad got sick. Also, I think I am known for making very complicated decisions really quickly. <laughs> I don't know. She, yeah, she makes the decisions and the rest of us are left to pick up the pieces. I, I, I just really jump in feet first and then try to sort the details after. And, and this was no exception. Okay, so you, you had this idea and it came, you know, this opportunity came in front of you. And, you know, what was it like trying to get that cafe off the ground? I know it's a pretty co- complex and interesting story. Well, well we're going to let's let's stick. We'll, we'll get to that in a second, I think. But so the pandemic hit in the process of us trying to get the cafe off the ground, figure out what our menu was going to be. And there was a lot of back and forth with whether the the diner was going to open or whether it wasn't due to due to COVID throughout the, throughout the course of time. In the meantime, we continued to practice donuts, decided that we couldn't eat another donut by ourselves, And if we were going to continue making donuts, we should just try to sell them. Yeah. Which is, which is what we ended up doing under the, under the cottage food law, right? <laughs> Little did we know that the pandemic, you know, COVID pandemic was going to come and get in the midst of all of this and it would blow up our donut business and we would hit the ground running with that, which we did. Um, while continuing to still have the cafe, the diner sort of on the back burner, trying to work on that menu and you know, sort of figure out what we were going to do with that. We, we did end up opening that diner, but being that it was in a, in a campground in the middle of a pandemic, it, it, it was not very successful, successful for us. So we decided not to keep running with something that wasn't going to work out for us when the donut business was going incredibly well. So we stuck with donuts and we went all in on donuts. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you, you know, this definitely went in a direction you weren't expecting because you thought you're going to make start this diner that sold all sorts of things, you end up starting a business that sells mostly donuts. But I just interested, you know, before I get into the whole donut business, like, what was that opening day like when you actually opened up the cafe? I know it was postponed a lot, but you did open it. And it looked like you sold quite a lot of different things. We, yeah, we did. We, you know, and, and had the pandemic not have sort of gotten the way, it would have been well. We opened 4th of July in the end. Yeah. I would say it was very chaotic. And one of the things we learned from that experience, and I think is what will, what, why we're treading very lightly at our next steps out of the cottage food industry was we walked into a building with, that was extremely not cared for, I guess, to say lightly. So, so the night before opening, my dad and a friend of his were, were replacing a water heater till about three o'clock in the morning so that we could open up. Yeah, next day, six o'clock the next morning. So, so we had like multiple equipment failures and just really had to put a lot of, a lot of time and energy into getting the facility to a place that could even, you know, be six, successful. successful. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and it was on one of you know, their busiest weekends. It was one of the first weekends. I think that people were coming out and you know, they were, they were open. Um, it was very, very busy. We we did well that first weekend, but it was chaotic. It was extremely chaotic. Yeah, I know you did well because I saw that you had actually a couple employees even that, that helped you out that first weekend. So you're definitely selling things. But I also am interested in like you put so much time and effort and energy into like trying to formulate this cafe idea. And, you know, unbeknownst to you, this donut idea would kind of take it over. But 
like how hard was it to actually step away from that idea and decide, you know, this is not the right direction, considering you invested so much time and effort into that idea? I, I think by the time we got to the point of making a decision to let the, the cafe go, we were all burnt out. I mean, I think the unknowns with COVID really took its toll on us as well as a campground environment. And it was just, it was, it was hard. You know, it was just, yeah, hard, really, was, you know, the struggle with equipment maintenance, with, with the landlords, all of that really made it a very, very easy, I think, decision for us. And just, as I said, as I said earlier, which probably isn't the most strategic business thinking, I, I'm, I'm definitely one to jump in with both feet. And that also, that also could mean closing that door very quickly. So for me, it was very much about, okay, this is not working and this is awful. Like, how do we turn this around? Like, what are the next steps to, to be successful? And, and we knew that like, we had this really loyal, amazing donut community, you know, in our home base sort of where we live in Washtenaw County, Michigan. So Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti area, we knew that we had loyal customers, that we had a loyal following there. And it was very easy for me to just go back to that to, because, you know, our reason for doing this was, was for joy, to have joy in our lives. Like we had, you know, we have full-time jobs. We, we weren't, this wasn't about making money. This wasn't, I don't, I don't need this business to pay my mortgage. I need this business to get to fulfill my, my passion. Yeah. It, it's been a, it, it's been a hard couple of years it, it, for everybody, but we've had some with Amy's dad's, you know, health issues. She also lost her mom, which I think she'll tell you a little bit more about. In a little yeah. Bit. But, three weeks um, before we were supposed to open, my mom died very unexpectedly. So we had that thrown in there. Um, and it's just been hard, you know, and I think, you know, I jokingly all along have said that donut saved my life, but really it kind of did. I mean, it really, it really kept me, you know, going. It gave us a lot of a lot of fun and a lot of enjoyment in in a situation where there there was that was lacking certainly throughout the last couple of years. So, yeah, that's certainly very apparent in like everything that I've seen about your business and from the very name. You know, it's a good day, donuts, and you know you have right plastered on the front of your website, spreading joy, spreading cozy. Can you talk a little bit more about how that mission has played out with your business and your customers? You know, I guess like just like you said, in the most simple aspect, I think getting donuts delivered right to your door is always just super fun. And we we really want, you know, to continue to to spread that joy. Like kids see even, you know, kids are in their pajamas, looking out the window, you know, just jumping up and down, super excited to see you. Um We've we've transitioned to uh, to pop up to pop up in person pop ups and to the farmers market and as we as our business has grown we've really looked to expand what that means in terms of spreading joy and part of that is like creating a sustainable community and we really try to support our other farmer market vendors use and highlight their products and you know make our donuts from as many locally sourced ingredients as we can. So we sell donuts, but I also like to say that, you know, we, we also sell fun, right? Like we, we try to have fun themes around our donuts. We don't, you know, we, we make some pretty fun flavors too, but we try to put a theme around most of our donut uh, weekly offerings. We did a, a series of themes based off of Christmas movies over the holiday season that we did. So that, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, we, we, we try to put a, a fun theme around most of the donut offerings that we have. 
Yeah, I noticed that there's just fun in all aspects of your business. Like it's not just the donuts, but you sell other things with your business and even things like, you know, it was a fad a year ago, but like the hot cocoa bombs looked like you had a lot of fun with those and you know, even the naming of your marshmallows. Uh, you just like, there's a lot of creativity in your business. Can you talk about what you've created? Sure. So cocoa bombs were kind of, you know, that, that, that went viral and we didn't really want to get into the cocoa bomb business because donuts were sort of our thing, but uh, our customer, that was another Amy thing. Our customers kept asking and then finally ate. Someone said online, like, who locally makes these? And I was like, oh, we do, but we didn't have like molds or we had never made a hot cocoa bomb before. And Jamie was like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, we can do this. No problem. If 1500 cocoa bombs later last year, we, <laughs> yeah, that, that was quite the adventure, but we, we offered cocoa bombs again this year. Uh, we didn't sell quite as many, but it was still a popular item. And again, like with their cocoa bombs too, I think the reason those have gone so well is we make our marshmallows from scratch. We make everything from scratch that we can. Sprinkles are hard to make from scratch, but if we can make it from scratch, we certainly do from salted caramel to our edible cookie dough and everything, you know, marshmallows, everything in between. I did notice that, you know, you said you locally source a lot of ingredients and you also make things from home as much as you can, but that you also use a distributor for some items. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. We don't anymore. So that's a fun fact. And that's, I think, it really attests to how, how our business is growing. So again, when we first, when we first started in late 2019, early 2020, our focus was to, was to make a cafe and we didn't have the equipment or really the staff, the anything right. to, to make um, donuts in large quantities from scratch. So we started using, we used a pre-baked donut and made toppings in, in like the stuff on top of it. Once we did, once that cafe ended and we decided to go forward in the donut business, I mean, the only way to truly do that is to make everything from scratch. So we transitioned, we purchased commercial grade fryers for that could be used inside our home. We have a ginormous 20 quarter mixer. mixer. So we, so we took the time to invest in the equipment that we needed to create the donut. And it's really essentially like the donut that I always had envisioned, but we couldn't, you know, go, we couldn't do that at the time. But yeah, so now we don't we don't utilize a distributor for for anything except for like obviously like flour, flour sugar. and sugar and whatnot. But now everything is made from scratch in house. So, but you still do use a distributor for certain ingredients. Like, what was the process like for finding a distributor? Was that Jamie's food service experience coming into play? A little bit. We had you know having a, a small restaurant environment. We had to find a distributor that could meet our small order minimums and our order ordering days. So, so we, we use GFS and we use um, uh, U.S. Foods and we sort of partnered with both of them to meet the need of what we were looking for. Once we transitioned away from that, we found that Restaurant Depot was a better source for us. Prices were better. It seemed to have more of what we were looking for in terms of ingredients. And it's right down the street from our house. That's <laughs> <laughs> definitely convenient. All right. So you invested in a lot of equipment. I mean, like how much did all this cost? Because I've seen in a picture you had like racks behind you as well. You said you got your mixer, you've got these fryers. Like what did you actually invest money wise into this equipment? That's hard to say because some of the some of the equipment came from the, the work that we did on getting the cafe ready to open. I mean, because we, we sourced a lot of it from online auctions. We got a lot, a lot of things that were used, less than $2,500 total. 
And that includes the mixer, the 20 quart mixer. The mixer was, was, was really expensive. And again, it's, it's always about like reinvesting in your business. I mean, you know, we, or, or you find yourself in the middle of making punch keys on fat Tuesday and realize that your, your fryers and your mixer that you have isn't going to cut it. So you go out and buy one eight o'clock at night. I'm aware. That's exactly what happened. Um, and, and we had to like, you know, we live in Michigan, so it was very cold, very icy. We had this like enormously heavy mixer in which Jamie and I, who are, you know, just average five, five and four, are trying to push this thing through the snow up our steps on a, on a sheet tray to get it in the house. <laughs> yeah. So, so learn from us and prepare ahead of time. But, but again, no, we we really just gradually, you know, added equipment again, just reinvested when we could. I think that at least with with our with our core donut operation, we didn't really dip into like our personal savings or anything like that. It really all came from money we, we had made from from our business and just continued to reinvest. Okay, so let's go back to when you got this donut business off the ground because I know you're testing it in early 2020 before the pandemic. Take me through, you know, the pandemic hit and what happened. What was the trajectory of a business like? Oh my gosh. Well, I think the pandemic hit and we, you know, like I said, like we had like, we have little kids. We, um, you know, we have a daughter that was in preschool. We had a, you know, an older son and our life was just like everybody, everything stopped. It was, it was crazy. And so we, we hit pause on the donut business for a little bit. We didn't know what to do. We needed to get our own affairs in order and figure out how we were, we were managing all the pieces of our life. And then, you know, we were like, well, here we are. And we're, we're ordering everything delivery. Maybe other people will want some things delivered. I think the biggest, yeah, the, the, the biggest change that we made from when before pandemic to after was we were doing in-person, knock on the door, they open the door, we hand you the donuts. They pay us at that point. Once the pandemic hit, we transitioned from that to, okay, now you're going to place your order online and we're going to drop it off in your door, in the doorstep and we're going to ring your doorbell and we're going to go away. So I think that was the one of the biggest changes is that we no longer saw those customers face-to-face. And there are still some of our customers that are regulars that we haven't seen uh, in person. They just continue to place orders with us. So, yeah, and so it just became, I guess, like, Flushing out like the details of that delivery method, right? Um, you listen to it on your doorstep. Like, will you actually get it? Did we accidentally deliver to the wrong house? <laughs> um, will your dog eat these donuts? Like, all real life situations that happened. <laughs> so there was, so there were challenges transitioning. Um, but we had a lot of time on our hands. And did the pandemic bring just the influx of interested customers? I think so. Yeah. I think people, people were again, you know, looking for various things to be delivered. Uh, we live in a really, I think our, our community of at whole really supports local businesses. We have a really good community of moms too that, that really support each other to support each other's businesses. So I think that really, really helped us. Like in all along, even before the pandemic, we have our customer base has always been like our customers have always been really loyal. When Amy's mom died, our customers really um, supported us in a way that I think for both of us was completely unexpected. We had opened the, the cafe at that point. We were still doing deliveries and still doing donuts via other methods. And um, that, that Father, week, yeah, it was Father's Day weekend. And uh, yeah, we were really, I didn't know, like, do we cancel all the orders? You know, I felt really, really bad. <laughs> 
canceling on Father's Day weekend. But in the same in the same regard, like there was no our family was, you know, just crushed. It was like that was very unexpected. And we have like some children. So we had we had to cancel and I felt so bad. And so many of our customers, you know, we just had like people saying, Oh, don't refund our you know, don't refund our money like here. We wanna we want you to go out and do something fun with your kids or do something like this or it's no, you know, don't worry about it. It's no problem. Like nobody, like nobody complained, which I think was, you know, was not what we were expecting. <laughs> um, so can you share a little bit about these donuts? What makes them so special or so unique? What kind of flavors do you offer? I think probably one of our, our more popular flavors is the hot cocoa or anything with marshmallow on it. Like if you, if you put marshmallow on a donut and it's homemade, people are going to gravitate to it. Other popular fun flavors have been our unicorn donut, which is a swirly, color, colorful glitter donut that pretty much anybody loves with a birthday cake icing on it. It's pretty delicious. Anything with edible cookie dough, people people really like that. We also, again, we mentioned we live in an area adjacent to Ann Arbor, Michigan. So we do a good business for the, with the University of Michigan students. Um, parents order donuts to surprise their kids. Um, so we do, you know, various themes of maize and blue. And those are always popular. We partnered with a local individual that did a custom cookie cutter for us. In the shape of our iconic Ypsilanti water tower, we do Rice Krispie treats and marshmallows in the shape of that water tower. And that is really popular with the Eastern Michigan University students and the Ypsilanti crowd as a whole really likes that one. So we do a cinnamon sea salt, uh, Rice Krispie treat, and then we do a cinnamon marshmallow with that one. We also offer vegan donuts, which, you know, it's many... Many places do not offer vegan donuts, so that's a great option for for people that are vegan. Yeah, that was our number one. Other than gluten-free, gluten-free and vegan, that was always requested. So eventually Amy said, we just need to figure this out. Our son loves the vegan donuts, even though he is he is not vegan, but he says the vegan donuts are better than their traditional donuts. And specifically, we have one where there's an Oreo inside. So that one is very popular, and you can get vegan or traditional. Was it difficult to convert your recipe into a vegan donut? Yes. <laughs> Although, ironically, the best recipe that we that we found was written on a card that came out of your grandma's um, yeah, recipe yeah. sack. My grandma, and it was like, yeah, when I was going through my mom's things, we found a recipe for like a sweet dough that didn't use um, any eggs or any butter, 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 butter or anything in you know, I think that that recipe really was created at a time when, you know, money was tight. My girl had seven kids. That sort of situation, certainly not because she was vegan. But I was like, wait a minute, this is vegan. And it was delicious. It was absolutely delicious. And it was better than any recipe we had tried up to that point. And I, we, we switched we it. We tried it a little bit, but yeah. And we, instead of, I think her recipe called for water, we do use almond milk in it instead. But yeah, it, we, we definitely had some, some vegan donut fails for sure. So it's, yeah. <laughs> So it, if we were going to make a vegan donut, because neither one of us are vegan, neither our kids are vegan, if we were going to make a vegan donut, we wanted it to be something that was going to be delicious. And it certainly is delicious. I also saw, in addition to just flavors, you have celebration boards. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, I think this really stemmed out of our wanting to spread some joy. So we we often get birthday party requests, like birthday requests. And we did one day, we 
we, you know, we asked the parents, like, what is, you know, it's for, I think it's for like a fifth birthday or something. Yeah. Well, what is she like? And, you know, of course it's like rainbows and sparkles and all that, all that jazz because what five-year-old girl, you know, well, it's, it's just really cabin with five-year-old girls. And so we, so we created the donuts and I was like, wait a minute, Jamie, let's like, let's like make this into a shape for her. And first we tried a five. It did not, it did not look well. It did not look good. It was a disaster. And then we made it into a rainbow. And when we, and when Jamie delivered it, like the girl was just, she was excited. She was so excited. And our six-year-old saw that and said, how come I can't have one of those for my birthdays? And then that, it was at that point that the, the, between the excitement between the five-year-old and the excitement between our six-year-old that we realized that we needed to offer that on a, on a regular basis. Now, you mentioned that, you know, you do a lot for U of M and you also are, you know, marketing to the Ann Arbor community. I noticed you do delivery for free to your own city and Ann Arbor, and then you only charge like $5 if you're going further from that. I was surprised to see that you offer that free delivery. Why did you decide to offer (laughs) free delivery? That's a, that's a, um, that's a point of contention. Contention. Yeah, I... (laughs) <laughs> Amy wants to continue the free delivery, whereas I would rather figure out how we can, um, you know, gas isn't getting any cheaper. Our our customer base is growing. So our delivery area is growing. Certainly something that we're considering addressing at some point, but I don't know. I don't yeah. know if we will or not. I, I got, it was a matter of just jumping in. We didn't have a strategy back then. <laughs> and then you know, to be, to be completely honest, during the pandemic, especially, I loved those hours by myself in the car. Like I am an introvert. I need time alone. And I was forced in my house with my wife and my kids for however long it was, way too long. And so that time that I had delivering donuts, I generally, if it's a huge, like on the weekends, if we have a big delivery order, usually I will, Amy, me will be the one who does most of the deliveries and Unless we have to split up. Yeah. Then I'll, then I'll pick up some odds and ends. Like what are outliers? Um, but yeah, so I, so to me, like that, that time wasn't really work or effort, but rather an ability for me to kind of kind of regroup myself and, and get, and get some free time. So I never looked at it as like something I would charge for because it was, it was really a benefit to me but but as we look as we look strategically and as as we know everything the cost of gas is is really going up in price we may have to reevaluate that and we we have slightly in that we do charge a delivery fee again it's five dollars for U of M campus deliveries just because it takes some extra time to connect um, with students. Like if they were living in a dorm, we can't just leave them outside the dorm. We actually have to text the student and get a hold of them. And sometimes they are hard to get in touch with. And you said that you both work full-time jobs. Is that still the case? It is not. Uh, so we had a, a transition in our life in the summer and I am no longer working. I um I'm now sort of all in with this donuts uh, business and and taking care of both kids, getting them to and from school. We've had some transition back to virtual learning and that that I've dealt with, so we had that thrown in there. When I lost my job, eventually we were able to transition into more of a pop up, you know, farmers market, 
another one of Amy's sort of let, let's just do this was a purchase of the vintage camper, a 1969 Keystone camper that is currently sitting in a, in a lot about 45 minutes away. And we haven't touched it since we bought it, but we hope to have that renovated um, and to be able to use for our, for our pop-ups and our events come spring. I mean, we couldn't have maintained the amount of energy we were putting forward our initial first year. Um, it, I think it was unsus- unsustainable. So we did it. We managed to do it. We survived, but it wouldn't, it certainly would not have been a great way of life. We couldn't have continued to manage full-time jobs with the business. And to continue to grow. Right? We would have had to start saying no at some point, which Amy's not very good at. No. <laughs> so, so yeah, and we, like we really over the summer, we didn't do like a ton of deliveries because we, we did the farmer's market instead. And so we wouldn't have been able to do like the farmer's market weekly if Jamie was working still. It would have just been too much in our, too hectic in our lives, right. I think. Yeah. So you said that you've done pop-ups now and you have this farmer's market. How has it been selling in person at events? It's fun. It was, you know, it was, it's nice to see people again. You know, we started when we started everything when we were, we had that in-person communication and we were seeing people, you know, kids were standing in front of us, jumping up and down, taking the donuts. We were able to talk to people when the pandemic hit that went away, you know, wait, literally knock on the door, ring the doorbell, leave them on the steps. So it was really nice to get back. And, and I don't know if Amy feels the same way because I'm usually the one that does the events, but I, I really like that, that in-person, you know, connection with people. It's a lot of fun. I'm a little awkward when it comes to small talk. I do, I do like it. I think like, especially like those first couple events, it's like, if I could, I would hug you. But I think it's like, we, we're just really appreciative of your support. Did you find it was difficult to prepare for the markets? And have you figured out like how much to make? Because, you know, with donuts, I don't feel like they'd have a great shelf life, right? Uh, they don't. And, you know, if, if we don't sell donuts, then our, you know, kids and our close family end up getting them. But it is, that is one of the biggest challenges with a perishable product. You know, our donuts are, are okay to the next day. They're not the best. So trying to figure that out and navigate that has certainly been challenging. I think we've sort of managed to figure out a pattern, but it's so variable based on so many things, even from one side of town to the next. Um, type of venue some events are successful at night where others aren't it, it it's it just sort of no rhyme or reason to the the factors that we take into consideration but yeah. i think we're getting better at it yeah we got we got a decent sort of rhythm like with the farmer's market i think we kind of figured it out uh by the end of the season but there yeah there is definitely some you know lost product it's not you know, weather has a huge impact on whether it's an indoor event or an outdoor event. We found that weather has a huge impact on whether people will come out. And you always, you know, you always run the risk. Like you're going to sell out in 20 minutes, an hour, or you're going to end up with extra product. And like, how do you decide like that, what that, you know, what that fine line is, what that number is for you. And I think it's a real, just like personal yeah, thought like what are what are you what loss are you willing to assume and how much you want to make today? Uh, and it, with us especially, like you know, we get up at three or four o'clock in the morning, so we have to decide in that moment how much dough are we going to make? What are we going to do? And like I, the weather, like if the you know if there's a storm that's going to roll through at the farmers market, probably not a lot of people are going to show up at the farmers market. So we really have to make those decisions quite early. And you just have to be you have to be okay with it. I think that's the yeah. like personally just like 
being okay with with whatever whatever, it whatever is. the outcome yeah. is. During December, we were signed up to do like a, a holiday market that was going to be outdoors. And it was on a Sunday. Saturday, the weather was awful here. Like it was snowing. There was close to like 60 to 70 mile per hour winds. And when we looked at the weather before we went to bed or later in the evening on Saturday, they were still predicting like wind gusts and really bad weather for Sunday. So we, you know, we had to cancel last minute for this event and it turned out to be a beautiful it was sunshine it was the weather was perfect it's yeah still a Mich- it was still a michigan day in december but it was decent weather but we can't having a parasol for body yeah, to make a decision you have to you have to make that choice and the donuts are not not forgiving <laughs> the dough is not forgiving we so it's just how it went what's the process like for making the dough you said you wake up at 3 a.m in the morning to start the process it's a yeast-based donut, so that so that has to rise. And usually, depending on how cold it is, or the you know whether it's rainy or whatever, that takes about an hour to an hour and a half. Roll them out, cut them out, and then let them rise again, and then fry them. Then they have to cool enough for us to be able to ice them. So we're usually done if everything goes well. Depending on how many orders we have, between seven thirty and eight. Sometimes it's a little bit longer, depending if we have a lot of orders, but it's usually about a five-hour process. And what is your pricing like? And how has your pricing changed over time? We've done very little pricing increase. We started off at $12 when we first started, $12 for a half a dozen. Uh, We have increased to $15 for a half dozen, but it's stayed that price since the pandemic started. We didn't, we didn't incorporate the $5 extended delivery fee and then the, you know, the, the student delivery fee. And that's another sort of point of contention, right? $15 $15 for a you know, half dozen donuts is a, like, where, where, where are people's comfort levels in terms of paying for that? Even though our flour prices have gone up, our sugar prices have gone up, everything oil. has gone up. Oil, oh my gosh, oil is obnoxious. But yeah, everything has gone up in price. So yeah, that, that's certainly another one of those should we or shouldn't we conversations that we continue to have. Do you find that a lot of customers are just more than happy to pay the price or do you get some resistance when new people come to the market and see your pricing? That's a mixed bag because the farmer's market draws a very diverse set of, of people, right? You, you get people from all walks of life, all you know, demographics, all like sort of just sort of everywhere. So it, it just depends. I mean, there's some people that are, oh, you're not charging enough for your donuts, right? $5 for, because at the farmer's market, we don't do them for that in a half dozen. We do them in a two pack. Um, so we do two donuts for $5, which is the same price that we would, you know, there's people that are like, you should charge more for that. Or there's people that are, you know, that'll walk by. And um, very angrily say, I'll give you 50 cents, right? So I think it just, it just sort of depends. Right. It's, it's math. It's an equation. It's math. So you can't let, um, you know, the naysayers, right, affect you. You really have to. And I think in addition to the equation, which is, again, where Jamie and I might, will probably disagree, is that we do, you do have to like make sure that your product is at a price point that it's, that it's able to be sold, that people will buy it. <laughs> and so, so I don't know if we increase our price, what that would look like in terms of, of sales. And, and I, I like, I think the price point that we're at now is, it's, is a good one. Again, I think our biggest, what we're fighting against is, is truly the price of oil and, um, and packaging. Yeah. Packaging and oil. And I think we've found, like, I feel like the price of packaging is kind of stabilized. We found 
decent packaging, but oil has just been increasing. And we tried to use other oils and we had doughy donuts that people were complaining. <laughs> it was not, nobody wants a doughy donut. It was really bad. So, so we really had to go back. Yeah. So we can't choose a different type of oil or a cheaper oil and still have our product turn out well. But it's it's also difficult to add, I think, the oil into like the equation just because, you know, when you think about like your flour, like, okay, I'm using four cups of flour, but oil like is in your fryer. And so I don't think we know, we haven't like calculated exactly how no, much oil we use per donut, just because it's like a, it's a harder thing. It's a harder thing to figure out. So are you using Restaurant Depot to source your oil? We are. Yeah. And what about your packaging? Some from Restaurant Depot and some from another, another provider that, another supplier that we, uh, you know, the social media, like the. The cottage food groups have been pretty valuable in helping us sort of find out where to source, like when, when, our, when our packaging wasn't available through GFS, where to source different packaging from, where, where to source sprinkles, right? Uh, that kind of thing, where in different like places and that where, that we may not have discovered on our own without the support of those groups. And I think the struggle was like the two packs of donuts, like the donuts that we sell at Andy Fats, because like the two, like the smaller donut packaging was almost the same price as mm-hmm. and, and people want people want to see the donuts, so trying to figure out how they can see the donuts and the packaging and yeah, so what was the best pack like ever. a fancier like you know box with like the clear like you could see through. But now what we've went to, which is, which works good, but probably not in the summer, is that we, we put the don't, you know, we just have the donuts out for display and then have them in sort of like white, I forget what they're called, like the number three eco box. So it's just like, almost like a white carry Like it's like a white carry out sandwich box that you can't see through, but having the donuts out for display has worked out fairly well. We're able to get these boxes without issue. There hasn't been a supplier issue for the most part. Of it. They're fairly inexpensive. But in the summer, in the farmer's market, when it's going to be really hot, we have a problem with the donuts melting. And we do already struggle with bees. So having the donuts completely out will will make the bee issue worse. Yeah. So I don't know what our, what we don't have a plan for that yet again. I like to think about things like at the last minute. Oh, she'll come up with something and then we'll just have to figure it out. <laughs> but I should I should be better at that. So it sounds like there's some, you know, issues with heat in the summer and add some complexity. What time of year do the donuts tend to sell best? Um, well, January is the worst. Everyone's on a diet right now. So I think besides that, it's pretty it's pretty pretty it's consistent. Pretty consistent. Yeah. You know, I think also though. We right like we control how much we want to sell, so we can you, know, you set those quantities, you set the expectation. Um, but I think that we we remain fairly consistent, right? We we know what how many donuts we can feasibly make without having to bring in somebody else to help us out. So we we tend to keep it at that that certain amount. The day of year that we will sell the most, I think this year will be similar to last year, which which will be Fat Tuesday. That that is the day last year that we we did the most donuts or most the most fried dough items. That was what sort of pushed us into having to buy the twenty quart mixer. So um, in Michigan, there is a Polish donut that is traditionally ate on Fat Tuesday. It's called a punchki, 
I don't know. It's a very dense donut, typically filled with a variety of fillings and ice glaze. In the in very the, heavy dough. And so that's so that's a big that's a big day here in Michigan. And we will sell lots of donuts that day. So what have you done to promote your business? Obviously, you have the, the pop-ups and the markets, but have you done anything else like social media or press? We have Facebook and um, Instagram that we post on. I think, though, honestly, a large part of our marketing, especially early promoting, was from other area businesses discovering us and helping us out. We've had some very strong supporters from the beginning that without them, uh, you know, we wouldn't have gotten that early push for sure. Yeah, we were we were at a local news channel. They do a it's called Live in the D, uh, and I don't know that that brought in like a ton of extra business, but definitely um, we had a local children's store bought our hot cocoa bombs from us last year, and it gave them out as a Black Friday promotion, and that I think really really skyrocketed our bus- our business right. for sure. We also, again, like so we do pop-ups at a local um, bar in York. It's called the York. It's, um, it's like a bar slash restaurant. There used to be a wine store. They've kind of transitioned into this really awesome place that promotes many local food startups. And that has really expanded. Yeah. Our, There's a coffee shop that we're regularly part of. So you know, we've got, you know, it's called Sweetwater. So the Sweetwater's little seedling in York Yard um, definitely have... Uh, and a big part of especially our early success, I think, in terms of marketing, getting word out there that helps. Yeah. And just like in just customers like sharing, right? Like we have one customer who shared our information to a U of M parents uh, Facebook page. And that's really how we got most of our U of M orders. So it's really just people word of mouth sharing and um, just wanting to support each other. So you'd say these opportunities with other businesses or like the TV spot. These are things that just kind of came to you. You weren't actually seeking them out. No, I don't think any of those opportunities were ones that we we sought out. We certainly have like we have sought out like we will. I'll ask anyone like, hey, you want to do a pop up? <laughs> but in those instances, oddly enough, the ones now that we're talking about it, <laughs> I'm really taking the time to think about it. They came to us. They came to us, right? And um, and really, we're we're our most successful opportunities. But I, I, I do think like, yeah, like for someone who's interested in like starting to do a pop-up or you're starting in your cottage food in business, ask, what's the worst thing? What's someone going to tell you? No. And then you're well, going to get lots of no's. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like someone's just going to say, oh no, that's not going to work for us or it doesn't fit our scope. I mean, we did a pop-up at a place and it just wasn't a great mutual fit and that's okay. Like. It's fine. It's, it's all right. Fine. Just move on. Go to the next one. You know, like, I guess, like, you're always going to have people that don't, you don't mesh with. It's not our customer base. I'm yeah. not a customer. Yeah. I did want to ask about how you've showcased the pride movement in your business. You've certainly been very upfront about the fact that you're a lesbian couple. That's right at the beginning of your Instagram description. And there's a rainbow on your logo and you've done pride themed donuts can you share a little bit about why it's so important for you to showcase that in your business and how it's affected your business? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're open in our lives with our kids and everybody around us. You know, 
sense of community is important to us in general and they're our community and they've also been very supportive of us too yeah um, we're, we live in a pretty progressive community i think too like we go back to what brought us here what brought us this business is like a passion project it was and you know we wanted to find joy for ourselves in like not like if i'm gonna do something right like i'm doing this thing like i we we i think we share our lives very, very openly with our customer base and with our marketing, whether it be our kids or being a gay couple, like all of those things are are pretty predominant because I guess like, I think that when you look at your other like boxes in life, like, you know, and you go to work, you know, you have to be like professional and fit into your own, like, if this is my, this is my plan now, this is my business, this is what I'm doing in my off hours for fun, primarily like to get I guess, some joy in my life. Like, I'm going to be me. I'm going to share, like, who I am, the things that are important to me um, with our customers, I think. You know, it's it's funny, like, you know, it, it was that. It was just part of who we are. But I like driving down the you know a block that we haven't delivered to before and trying to guess which house it is based on what yard side they might have or what flag they might have you flying out in there. I always know who we can generally tell we can generally tell um driving down you know a street which customer of ours um is who who ordered right it, it is a joke between us like <laughs> okay you can't find the house well well what kind of signs are look look, look for the black lives matter sign look for that we believe in all love right like if any any you know we can usually tell if you can't figure it out. <laughs> is there like, is there a lot of bikes? Is there like kid equipment all over the place? Like, and like, I know, like just a few weeks ago, there was one where I dropped off the donuts to the rock house and I was like, I knew it. I could tell just walking up to that door that this was not our customer. <laughs> like their house, like when you could see in their little window, it was like perfectly clean with like white couches and like, just like no signs of kids, no signs of nothing. I think we're like, I was like, yeah, I should have, I should have trusted my gut on that one. We had a situation last year where we were featuring something we call an F-bomb at a local business that we did that also likes to use that word in their, uh, the items they carry in their store and just in general on their, on their social media platform. And we had a, a customer who had previously ordered from us reach out and say that they would never order again based on the use of that uh, of profanity. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was, I think that was one of our few encounters with someone that was a previous customer that didn't appreciate our approach to, uh, and that's, that's okay. I mean, it's not okay. I was so upset. <laughs> I, was, I want people to like me and I was, I was upset about the ad for sure. But then, you know, like I said, I think it's, it's fine. Maybe, maybe I don't take it as seriously as I should take it. I don't know, but, but I'm not going to do something put all my free time into something that, that I can't like be myself in, you know, this is, this is for supposed to be a fun endeavor and to do that. Like I'm going to be myself. Yeah. It's definitely interesting how, you know, you've for one niched down on just mostly selling donuts now, but you've also really focused on your ideal customer you know, your marketing might not appeal to everybody, but it's appealing to the right customer for you. And I'd bet that that has helped grow your business overall. What about as we look into the future, what, where do you expect this business to go or where do you want it to go? Another ongoing topic of conversation. I mean, we've, we've maxed out what we can do in our, in our home. 
uh, kitchen. It's already taken over our formal dining room. We either need to <laughs> start saying no more or we, we need to figure out what's next. Yeah. I mean, we've looked into various commercial kitchen spaces in the area. Being that we have a vegan offering, there, you know, that, that makes it challenging because we want to keep our dedicated vegan fryer. Commercial kitchens don't support that. I don't know. Like, we've looked at other, other businesses in the area to try to partner with them. Haven't been met with much success there. That is something that's affordable for us, right? Because I don't necessarily want to be in a position to pay money to watch, you know, to sit there and watch dough rise. So I don't know. I don't, I don't really have an answer for that right now, but we know we need to do something other than the food truck. Um, that that's our short-term goal, I think, is getting that selling space ready to go. We won't be frying out of that food truck, but we, we want to be able to sell out of it. We've like very passively considered like a brick and mortar space. And it sounds great, but then um, it's also terrifying in the same respect. And I think having that experience with the cafe as brief as it was, was a really great learning opportunity for us. And in time to reflect, you know, on, on what, again, is important us and where we see this business going you know a brick and mortar space means more time away from our kids more time right. away from it's hard to hard to make donuts at three o'clock in the morning you know outside of your house right and so yeah that that's certainly something to take into consideration so that yes it's working for us this is working for us certainly i'd love to have the space back at our home but again like we're lucky to have it to be able to have the space to do it, so we shouldn't complain too much about that. Uh, there's something to be said for making donuts, you know, while your kids are sleeping. You know, they get up, their donuts ready. They get to be taste testers, right? They they've certainly been a big part of this this journey with us, and it's been it's been good for them. We just, you know, we have the ability right now to make it meet our own schedule. We don't have employees or outside obligations or rent to pay. You know, we can we can close down for a couple weeks and you know decide that you know we're going to take it slow for a few weeks because we have other priorities in our life right now and taking that next step would put us in a spot that we'd have to really make a larger commitment that I don't think we're ready to make in our personal life yet. I did see that you have this uh, trade up to a food truck campaign how's that going? It fizzled. Uh, yeah, it, we were doing, we were going strong, and we still have an open offer for. Uh, we have a, a vegan wedding cake oh, uh, that that we're um, still have an offer to trade up to, but it went strong for the first little bit. And even though we continue to try to, you know, I had signs up at the markets, and, and you know, continue to try to trade up, we kind of hit a hit a wall with that. Yeah, and I think again, it's just a matter. Of, I think it was just one of the things like we tried and. We just didn't have like the energy to continue in marketing it well enough. Like I think had we like done like some Facebook a lot, like if we went like live, if we really had focused more in the marketing, I think maybe it wouldn't have fizzled as it did. But we we were just like super busy. I haven't given up on it yet. If somebody came up to us and offered offered a trade for a vegan wedding cake, that would that would be all right. Not not made by us, but you know, yeah, we, we have an offer it, for a vegan wedding cake out there. A vegan wedding cake. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's a super fun idea, and I don't think we had the capacity to really promote that promote anymore. it as yeah. much as we should have. Well, hey, that's what business is, right? You throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks, and clearly some stuff has worked well, and you've been doing quite well with your business, and it sounds like it's working well for you and your kids. 
And so why do you love running your business so much? What's not fun about donuts? I mean, really, like, I don't know. It, it allows us a creativity that we wouldn't get elsewhere in our lives right now. No, donuts are fun. Yeah, and I, I think it's really a great lesson for our kids. I think that the ability for them to see, like, it's okay to take a risk. Like, you can, like, have an idea and throw it out there in the world. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Personally, that was something I was afraid of for a very long time. And this experience has taught me that you have to start somewhere. Like, the, right, the first step is just starting. So I think that has been that has been pretty awesome for our kids to witness that type of growth, for them to truly understand, too, what it means to make money. Our oldest helps out at the markets. He comes with me and he helps me set up. He exchanges money with the customers. You know, he, you know, he makes change. He adds up mm-hmm. things. You know, he's, 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 he's just been a part of everybody. It, like in the most basic sense, like, like this thing equals this money. Like these are the steps you do to get this money. I think previous to that, you know, it was all just sort of a, like, right. We go to work money just comes in your bank account like you pay for things so I think it was like I I like being able to for them to see that the real world example of of commerce that's awesome well it's really cool to see where your business has gone and how it's grown over time and you know I'm looking forward to seeing where it will go in the future so if people want to learn more about your business uh, how can they find you or how can they reach out they can uh, find us on Facebook and Instagram. It's a good day donuts. Um, we have a website as well. It's a good day cafe.com. We're sort of reluctant to get rid of the cafe at the end. Maybe one day we'll be able to bring that back to fruition, but we, we decided to go with that for now. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show and sharing with us today. Thank you so much for having us. We really had a good time. And that wraps up another episode of the Forger podcast. For more information about this episode, go to forger.com slash podcast slash 52. And if you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. A review is the best way to support the show and will help others find it as well. And finally, if you're thinking about selling your own homemade food, check out my free mini course where I walk you through the steps you need to take to get a cottage food business off the ground. To get the course, go to cottagefoodcourse.com. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode.